0: Hello, this is John Bowling, and thank you for listening to the Franklin First United Methodist Church podcast. I hope you enjoy this and find it encouraging and inspiring. If you'd like to check us out online, go to www.franklinfirstumc.com. We have been considering the characteristics of Christ during Lent during this six week time period. And every week, we have thought about these characteristics of Christ not just so we understand his identity but so that we can also understand our own identity Jesus did not display these characteristics just because he was and is the second person of the Trinity so we could know that he is the Son of God he demonstrated these characteristics by modeling them for us so that we too might have these characteristics in our lives. Just think about the characteristics we've considered thus far. Prayer. Jesus was a person of prayer and he modeled what it was for us and demonstrated how important prayer was and is. He demonstrated forgiveness. Not just again because he was and is the Messiah but because we too are to be Forgiving people, loving, healing, and today, humble. We are to exhibit humility. And I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus didn't walk around with this big chip on his shoulder, I'm the Son of God and you're not. He, he didn't have under his tunic an under-tunic that had a big S on it which wouldn't stand for Superman, it would stand for Son of God, of course. He he wasn't a bully in in any way. He didn't use his authority in an abusive way. I mean, think for a moment back to that litany that, that we affirmed earlier this morning. Jesus submitted himself to baptism. After his baptism... Did he go around proclaiming that he was the Son of God and beginning a three year period of ministry to proclaim and demonstrate the love of God? Nope. Went into the wilderness to fast and pray forty days and forty nights. Remember, gospel the Gospel of John tells us that the same night that he was to be betrayed, he shared a meal with his disciples and prior to that meal, he got down on his knees and washed the disciples' feet. 12 pair of dirty, stinky feet. I don't know about you, but I don't even like washing my own feet. The last Sunday of his life, Jesus went into Jerusalem. Did he Did he go into Jerusalem on a white stallion? Did he go into Jerusalem in what would have been the first century equivalent of a limousine, a big chariot? Nope. Went in on the foal of a donkey that hadn't even been broken, an animal that we refer to the same way they did in Jesus' day, a beast of burden. But let me caution you as we think about humility for a few minutes this morning. I don't want you to misunderstand and think of humility as some sort of self-deprecating way of viewing your life. It is not self-abasement. I don't want you to look into the mirror every morning and say to yourself or say out loud, I'm a worm. I'm nothing. And And then convince yourself that's humility that's that's not humility you are important your life has purpose why how do I know that because you were born you have gifts and intellect and talents maybe even more than you understand or recognize or have developed but your life has meaning and purpose you are a creation of God and that is significant so we need to talk about pride we can't talk about humility without talking about pride which leads us to arrogance there is healthy pride we are proud to be Americans probably we are proud to be Christians we are proud of our children's academic and athletic achievements. I, I, uh, I love it. I, I don't even know what you call it, but on the back of so many cars, people will have you know this adhesive sticky stuff. It's usually in, in white, and it will be the name of their child and, and a sport they play, you know, the name of the child, and then soccer or baseball or swimming team. I, I love that. It's having, having pride and being proud of your, of your child. That, that is a good thing. There's nothing sinful about that at all. Pride becomes sinful when we have excessive belief in our own ability. Pride becomes sinful when we become haughty. We have to be careful about arrogance. That I have what I have because of me because I am so gifted. Hear these words from the Sage of Proverbs. When arrogance comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. The prophet Zechariah declared, seek righteousness, seek humility. I love that they're in the same sentence and I think intentionally next to each other seek righteousness and one of the ways that we have a right relationship with God is being humble. Paul wrote, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but in humility consider others to be better than yourself. Both Paul and Peter write in their own letters in Colossians and in first Peter that we should clothe ourselves in humility. That's a a great image, as opposed to clothing ourselves in pride or arrogance. Clothe yourself in humility. But just when we think that we've caught humility, that we understand it, it's gone. I think it was the philosopher Soren Kierkegaard who said, most learned discussions of humility aren't. Or maybe you heard about the boy who was the college student, and he got a pin for being the most humble student in the college. And they took it away from him the next day for wearing it. You see, hu- humility can be an elusive thing. But really, humility is just the, acknowledge, the acknowledgement of someone or something greater than myself. If I were to take a poll and ask you who's the most important person in this room I think we would all agree that it's it's me if I were to ask Troy Monroe who's the most important person in this room Troy would say me Troy Monroe when I was in high school it's one of those things you never forget our social studies teacher had us draw a map of the world and every student in that class drew the United States in the center that was the purpose of the exercise by the way not how well we knew geography was to learn that by nature we are egocentric it's all about me and my view and my perspective but humility is the acknowledgement of someone and something greater than me and for us of course that is God I'm not the center of the universe my needs are really not, especially my desires, the most important thing. First is my relationship with my Creator God. When, when Paul reflected upon the life of Jesus in Philippians 2, he wrote this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, and, and we've heard this already, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interest but each of you to the interest of others in your relationships have the same mind as our Lord Christ Jesus Paul was saying I want you to think and act like Jesus he wasn't saying we have to agree all the time having the same mind he didn't say have the same opinion he said have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus think and act like Jesus he's not just your Savior saving you from your sins he's also your Lord the one to whom you look and follow now of course there are those folks who have never learned to stand up for themselves and sometimes we mistakenly think those are humble people I've I've had people like that in my office ever since I've been in the ministry particularly women who will come who are in an abusive marriage, and and I usually get a scripture or two quoted to me, you know, sometimes, well, this relationship, this marriage is the cross that I have to bear. Say, so, well, what what Jesus did say, pick up your cross and follow me, but staying married to someone who's abusive to you physically or verbally or emotionally is not glorifying God in any way, shape, fashion, or form. And when Jesus said, to carry your cross and follow him he was talking about those things that would glorify God. God doesn't want you to hurt and suffer under the abuse of another person or they'll say I, I don't want to dishonor or bring shame upon God by not being true to my marriage vows. Well if your husband is abusive he's already broken the marriage vows uh, so it's not you. We, we sometimes falsely understand humility. Staying in a bad marriage and a bad relationship is not being humble. We also think of those who are stereotypical meek and mild and gentle and these are the ones who are humble. You know people who say things like the meek shall inherit the earth if, if that's okay with everybody. You, <laughs> you, you know those folks don't you? Stereotypical humility. But listen humility is not weakness it's not cowardice it's not allowing someone to let you have it or abuse you or take advantage of you or to manipulate you in any way some of the most courageous people throughout history have been very humble people who have very often started movements and we think of them as great men and women and great leaders but at the same time they were humble they weren't taking all the credit humility is recognizing that there is someone something greater than ourselves and as Christians that of course is God if we are to live as Jesus lived we must be willing to look beyond the needs desires and wants of our lives and look at the needs of others. And again, this doesn't mean we loathe ourselves. Jesus did not teach that we were to think that way, but he did say do unto others as you would like them to do to you. He did say love your enemies. I have I have bought numerous translations of Bibles in hopes that that passage wouldn't be translated that way in other bibles it's always there love your enemies Jesus did say turn the other cheek pray for those who persecute you he instructed us to give and to pray and to serve without announcement but to give and to pray and serve in secret and our father who is in secret would reward us there are most certainly humble attributes that he has given us. Humility in action, if you will, turning the other cheek, loving our enemies, praying for those who persecute us. I can't help but think of the parable Jesus told, I believe, in Luke 18. Do you remember the the Pharisee and the tax collector that go to the temple to pray? And Jesus says, the Pharisee stood and he Lifted his hands heavenward, and he said, Lord, I'm so grateful that I'm not like all the other sinners, and he named a bunch of people. But I give, and I serve, and I tithe, and he went on and on. And then the tax collector, who would have been Jewish, of course, because he's at the temple, but had turned his back on his culture and his people and his country by collecting taxes for the Romans, he goes to the temple to pray, obviously because he loves God, but he won't even lift his head heavenward. He beats his chest and he said, Lord, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. And Jesus asked the audience, which of these were righteous? Well, they all knew who was the righteous one. It was the Pharisee. Come on. This is the guy who's schooled, who's educated. He's high on the social and religious ladder of the of the day. The tax collector is a traitor, but Jesus says, No tax collector, because of his humility, was righteous before God. You should go back when you have time later today and look at that parable Jesus tells in Luke 18 and count how many times the Pharisee uses the word I. I am not like other people. I am better. I tithe. I give. I serve. Now compare that to the tax collector who who won't even lift his head toward heaven because he's ashamed. Lord, have mercy on me. I'm, I'm a sinner. It wasn't really self-loathing. It was a recognition that, as one of the prophets said, all of our righteousness as as filthy rags when compared to the, the grace and glory and power of Almighty God. Jesus himself said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. To be be humble is to say, if I'm doing anything good and helpful and right, it is through the grace of God, it's through the strength that God gives me, it's through the knowledge that God has blessed me with. So let me just share a couple of things as we're wrapping up ways that that we might put humility into action ways that that we might fulfill this characteristic of Jesus which can be a characteristic of us as a Christian. Let us daily confess our sin to God. Now now that is something that we talk about a lot if if we were to talk to a person who is not a Christian one of the first things we tell them is you have to repent recognize your sin name it turn away from it we often whether it's through a litany or a congregational prayer we will often as a community of faith pray a prayer of confession but I'm talking about individually you Confessing your sin before God. Being as specific as possible. Nobody else is listening but Him. This is your prayer time. This is your relationship with God through Jesus. We're not perfect. Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. But that's why He sent Jesus. So don't be afraid to confess your sin. Similarly, let us acknowledge God as the supreme source of life not me. If I'm able to accomplish anything good or helpful or creative, it is because of the personality, the gifts, the, the attributes, the blessings, the resources that God has given me. Not that John Bowling has created and manufactured. There, there really is no self-made man, self-made woman. That's a myth. But there are those who will take all of what God has given and waste it. There are others who will take all that God has given and say, I did this, but we as believers are different. We walk a different road and proclaim a different story. All that I have and all that I've been given and all that I am able to become is to the glory of God because He is the one who has instilled all of this within me. Let us accept a lowly place so to speak. I was, I was once in a church as a guest preacher and I was preaching in this church. The church had uh, it was very old. It was a rural congregation. It was out in the middle of nowhere and it was a beautiful church with I'm not making any of this up. Just absolutely wonderful people. About 50 people were there on Sunday morning, and they had built a very fine brick church. It was quite an accomplishment. And while I was preaching, I, I noticed there was something glimmering on the cross on the altar, and uh, caught my eye literally. And and later after the service, I wanted to see what that was. It was a brass plaque. I'm walking toward it, and I see this brass plaque, and I'm thinking. Uh, it's going to be a scripture, Uh, the date is going to be on the cross. Well, it wasn't. It was given in honor or in memory of another person, but of course it had the donor's name on it. Now, Now, hang with me for a minute because probably everybody in this room is given to a church or another institution in honor or in memory of someone else. Uh, which, by the way, if you want to give uh, $100,000, we'll, we'll name something after you. Uh, just want to throw that out there. So uh, I'm looking at that, and, and then I notice, I'm not kidding, I'm not making this up. Right under the altar where it says, do this in remembrance of me, there was another brass plaque. And it had the name of the person that bought the communion table. There was a brass plaque on every row of pews. Uh, I stopped after that. I was afraid where I might find the next brass plaque. Uh, now every fundraiser will say uh, that's what you gotta do. If, if, if you need something new in your hospital or your school or your church, you tell somebody we'll name it after you or your mother or Whatever you want to call it, that, that's a way to get money. I, I understand that, and I really don't have a problem with people giving gifts in honor or in memory of someone. I, I don't have a problem with people giving uh, a, a large or small gift, and 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 we all know where it came from because very often people are are, are giving it because they they love the church, they love the Lord, they they want to celebrate their abundance but don't you think there's a fine line there somewhere where we're just wanting to get attention and praise and glory once again i I think about that that teaching in in matthew five i believe it is when when jesus says you know when you fast don't have this face so that everybody knows you're fasting when you pray don't do so on the street corner where everybody knows you're praying go go to your closet and pray in secret I I think it would do us good I think one of the problems with the American church is our egos have gotten just a little too big in recent years and and we want everybody to know what we can do And, and I'm not so sure God honors that it would be helpful for us to have that characteristic of humility and accept a more lowly place God knows what we're doing. We don't need to be recognized for what we do. God knows what we're doing. Let me suggest these last two things. We should purposefully associate with those we might not otherwise associate with. Now, I don't like to talk about it in these terms, but it's it's true, so let's just talk about it. You know, we talk about blue-collar and white-collar, and we talk about socioeconomic status, we talk about where we are on the ladder of success and if I see someone in a restaurant who who is a powerful person or an influential person uh, I want to speak to them. I want them to know who I am. If I see someone who is poor, if I see someone who is dirty I'm not so quick to, hey, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm making a confession here. When I, when I first started out in ministry, I would go to annual conference. Once a year, you know, all the Methodists gather together, so all these preachers are there. And I wanted to be seen with some of the younger, up-and-coming ministers, the ones that were about 10 or 12 years older than myself, and ones that I knew were sharp and people admired and the bishop might be saying the, 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 those fellows and young ladies are, are going to be leaders in the future I wanted to be with them because some of these guys over here that move every two years and and uh, had some personal issues and and weren't as sharp I wasn't so sure I wanted to be seen with them I, I've repented of that by the way I, I'm not really I don't really care who you see me with I, because I'm not worried about what you think it's natural for us to to associate with people who are on the same place where we are on that ladder and it's natural for us to wanna be known by those who are a rung or two above us and and often we don't want anything to do with the people below us but again as Christians we're fighting against what is natural so that we can be Holy, which just means set apart, so we can receive the righteousness of God, so we can be Christ-like and communicate the love of God with others. And the last thing I'll say is let us cultivate a grateful heart. I I I think we can be more humble if we cultivate a loving and grateful heart. There are so many things for which we have to be grateful. 12 years ago, Oprah Winfrey d- did a show. By the way, you know Oprah Winfrey is the most powerful woman in America. You know that, don't you? She has said some things on her shows before that are great, and she has said some things on her show before that I wish she wouldn't said because it'll be a, a, a leading news story. Uh, most influential woman in America. But anyway, she, she said that she'd been writing in her journal every day uh, three things for which she was grateful. The reason she did a show on it is because she said, it changed my life. It changed my perspective. And, and she looked at the world and she looked at people differently. And all over the country, that was about the same time she started her book club, all over the country women were having these book clubs inspired by Oprah. See she's the most powerful woman in America. How many books did she sell, is she selling, that she didn't write because she says you need to read this, it's a good book, nothing wrong with that. So. What is this, a sermon about Oprah? What am I talking about here? So uh, there, were, there were some women in, in the church that I was serving at the time, and they got together, I think, every, every Thursday, and they had coffee, and then they would share in their journal what, what I'm grateful for. And, and every one of those women, they wanted to give like a, a testimony in church because I had to think, is this okay because it's secular? It's not, it's not really Christian. But for those women, it was Christian. Because they were seeking for what am I grateful as a child of God, as a believer. And I think if we can do whatever we need to do, whether it's writing down three things you're grateful for every day or whatever, but just to be cognizant, aware of those blessings in our lives and give thanks for them, I think humility will flow from our hearts as we recognize how grateful we are for all of the things that God has given. Now, I'm going to shut up because I've gone too long. I'm going to ask the band to come up here. And we're going to have uh, a prayer. Uh, As they're assembling, let let me just make you aware of a a few things. John Hancock is with us, and I'm a little irritated with John, uh, which is nothing new, actually, if you read our Facebook uh, jousts. But uh, John's mother passed away two weeks ago, Saturday. Okay. Uh, we also want to remember Paul Maddox. If you can't place Paul Maddox, uh, tall, thin, he usually sits right here. Paul had a a benign tumor removed for the second time within a ten-year period, uh, growing at the base of his neck, interweaving into his spine. Uh, so that they were able to take out what they could take out and probably do radiation on what was left that they can't touch because it interweaves with the spine Uh, Tom Betts which is is, uh, Debbie Newton's father had most of his colon removed uh, last week and uh, I'm almost certain you know his wife who who attends with uh, Debbie and John also and uh... they've been married sixty two years he's had some trouble with his heart so that was an extra delicate surgery and and he's recovering well will leave the hospital and stay in nashville for some therapy there and wanda jackson has been in and out of the hospital as you know she she hopefully will leave vanderbilt tomorrow and go home with her daughter so she looks better. I saw her Friday. She looks better, and she's looked in a month, and uh, is stronger, and, and uh, she's on dialysis now. be doing that three times a week. Uh, just want to make you aware of those prayer concerns, and let, let's, have a, let's have a prayer together. Uh, Lord, Lord, it's difficult for us to talk about humility. Uh, we know some people need to be humble, but we never think that we need to be more humble. And so we just ask that you would help us do that very thing, uh, to exhibit a a character of humility, uh, not just through the things we say, but through the things we don't say, how we act, our demeanor, our attitude. And we would like to demonstrate not merely humility, but we want others to recognize that the reason we exercise humility is because you are the priority in our lives, not not us, not, not our own needs, wants, or desires, or accomplishments. And we pray that others will experience your grace, your love, through the characteristics that we've been discussing these weeks, including humility. And we ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thank you for listening. This is John Bowling, pastor of Franklin First United Methodist Church in Franklin, Kentucky. Hope that you can visit with us sometime and you can find all the information about our church and how you can be involved at franklinfirstumc.com. If you'd like to financially support this ministry, that would greatly be appreciated. And again, you can find our mailing address on our website. Take care.